we thank you for all the things we have learned about you in the last two months and we pray that today the spirit of revelation will be released and that you will fill us afresh in Jesus name Amen the Lord bless you if you can take your seats please if you can perhaps reduce some of the treble and is it coming out of here? Is it coming out of there? I don't think it's coming out of there. Maybe we should just change the mics, yeah? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's great to be sitting next to you. All right. That's much better. And um, it's always good to be in church. And it's always good to see new faces. Today I'm going to conclude on our teaching on the Holy Spirit for a season. And uh, God willing, we'll pick it up another time, maybe next year or the year after, as the Lord leads. But I want to speak to you about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, these are things that we've taught over and over. And some of it is repetitious, but I do feel... It is important for us to repeat ourselves so that we can get some of these simple but important truths. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or which will ruin your life, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, last week we talked about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And uh, today I really want to focus on being filled with the Spirit, especially for those of us who need to be filled for the first time or have not been filled for a while. But in this instruction, be filled with the Spirit, is actually in the present continuous tense. Be being filled or be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And the dynamics involved in being filled with the Spirit are similar to what we've been talking about when we talk about fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Now, a few things are important to, to just point out. Although every born-again believer has received the person of the Holy Spirit, when they got born again, when they received Christ, they received the person of the Holy Spirit. Not every Christian is filled with the Spirit or filled with His power or experiences His manifest power in their life. So when you gave your life to Christ or when you came to Christ, you were born again. Your human spirit was recreated. And so you had an awareness of God like you never had before. And that is why you would have this sense of right and wrong like you did not have before your experience. Anyone who has been born again will have a profound sense of right and wrong initially as they've entered into God's kingdom. Now, many people allow that sense to become dull. They allow that sense of right and wrong to become dull. And so after a while, they allow themselves to do things that actually is actually wounding their soul or wounding their conscience. 
But when you got born again, if you, be, if you will remember that time, your sense of right and wrong was profound. Any little thing you did, you were aware of it. How many of you can testify of that? It's normal. It's part of the body. How many of you can testify? Let me see. I mean, the way you were uh, looking, I'm not sure. Some of you were playing with your nails. I'm not sure whether I don't know what was happening there. But anyway, the point that I want to make is, is that not only do we need to receive the person of the Spirit, we need to receive his power. We need to experience his power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, our Lord said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When he comes upon you, you will receive power. That word power in the Greek is dunamis, is miraculous power, miraculous or supernatural ability. Uh, so, Romans chapter 8 verse 9, just to emphasize the point, he says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. That's the New Living Translation. And the point there is, when you got born again, you had the Spirit of Christ living in you. The Holy Spirit brings with him the Spirit of Christ. So Jesus comes and lives in us by the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, many Christians, one of the reasons why many believers struggle in their faith is because they have not learned to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to see them or see them through on a daily basis. They have not allowed themselves to learn to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And they have not allowed themselves to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, beloved, when the Holy Spirit controls you, it does not mean that you end up jerking and hitting people and acting like a mad person. Now, please, don't misunderstand me. There are times the Spirit of God can come upon a person and they will be jerking and they will be shouting, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That happens. I'm, I'm, I'm not taking a mic. It happens. Because it's a woman, they have a high pitch. If it's a guy, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It happens. And it's actually, the Spirit of God has it's hit them and they're re reacting to that. But being filled with the Spirit is really being controlled by Him to such an extent that it affects how you behave. It, he affects how you behave, he affects how you think, and he affects what you do. And so as believers, we need to be filled with the Spirit. Now, remember again some of the things we've said in times past about fellowshipping with him. Fellowshipping with him. You fellowship with him out of the overflow of being filled. Of being continuously filled. Many times after I do ministry, I realize that I'm empty. I can sense I'm empty. And so I need to be refilled. I need to be refilled. And so I spend time in his presence to be refilled again. Uh, I've learned to identify the symptoms that tells me that I need to be refilled. When I was younger in the faith, when people would talk like I'm talking, I would think to myself, well, how, how do they even know what, how, whether you're filled? How would you even know whether you're filled or not? And for me, anyway, some of the ways I knew was I feel extremely tired. I feel extremely spiritually weak. I feel demotivated. I don't no longer want to be righteous. 
some of the signs. Are you, are you still here? I don't want to connect with God anymore. Why? Because my flesh is now rising up. Is this familiar symptoms? Do you, do you, do you testify to familiar symptoms? Oh, those of you who do ministry, I'll give you another example. After you do ministry, you've done powerful ministry, you go home, you're in your room alone, and suddenly you don't want to do godly things anymore. How many of you know that sensation? Why? Because you're empty. You've poured out of the spirit. So you now need to be refilled, re-empowered, re-energized by the spirit. Do you, you hear what I'm saying? So these are some of the ways. It's not very difficult. When you understand spiritual things, it's not very difficult to join the dots. And that's why many people are tired. They're tired and they blame the church. Church activities is making them tired. No, you're empty. You know, you're, you're busy doing all these things in the world, and then you come and blame the church for two and a half hours of uh, taking your time. It's because you're empty. You need to be refilled. All right, so uh, I want to just quickly recap on some of the things on fellowship with the Spirit that I said that helps you to stay connected with him, that helps you to allow him to refill you afresh. And then I'm going to talk about specifically how to be filled, especially if it's the first time for you. And also, if it's like you haven't been full for a long time. So a few things that we talked about how we can fellowship with the Spirit is this. We learn to surrender ourselves to his leadership. We've already said these things. I'm not going to go into detail. So you have a conscious mindset that surrenders yourself to his leadership over your life. Like he says in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In other words... Sons of God are those, or we demonstrate that we are sons of God by allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. It does not mean that if you're not led by the Spirit, you're not a son of God. It means if you're not led by the Spirit, you're not showing yourself to be a son of God. Although you are a son of God, in the kingdom, men and women are sons of God. Men and women are brides of Christ. It's a position of privilege. So although you are a son, if you do not allow the spirit to lead you, you do not show your sonship. You do not show that you are now a child of God, that the Christ of God is in you. Second thing, how we fellowship with the Spirit is this. We commit ourselves to a lifestyle of holiness and purity. Holiness and personal purity. Now, holiness and purity are not the same. Although purity comes out of holiness. Holiness is simply a position or a decision to get yourself more connected to God, more devoted to God. But purity is the the, the act of allowing things that were holding you back to get rid of them. You get rid of them. You get rid of them. And so there are some things in your life today that are fine with God. He doesn't have a problem with them. But as you grow closer in holiness, he'll say to you, now, beloved, I don't want this in your life anymore. So some of the things that the Lord would ask of me now, if he asked it of me 10 years ago, it would have destroyed me. So he never expected that of me. Now, don't misunderstand. There are things in the Bible that are very clear. They are very clear that they are right and wrong. So in those issues, we, don't, we can't pick and choose. For instance, I can't say, well, 15 years ago, I could fornicate. But now I can't. 
I could never fornicate from when I got born again. I could never fornicate and get away with it. Are you still here? Have you gone home? You're still here. So when I got born again, for instance, I'm just going to say it as it is. I'm really sorry if this offends you. But when I got born again, for instance, after I got born again, I was 16 years old, and I was in the bathroom doing something that 16-year-old boys do. And as I was doing it, so imagine what it could possibly be. As I was doing this thing, I suddenly said, oh my goodness, I can't do this anymore. And I was really depressed. Because I'd been born again now, and I'm doing, oh no. I actually said, oh no, I can't do this anymore. What a disappointment it was. So, are you, are you look at the way you're looking at me. I'm just telling you, I have to, I have to be honest with you. So, for me to be, I had to commit myself to personal purity, and it was very, very hard. It was not a nice thing. Holiness and personal purity is very difficult. In fact, it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. You look very holy this, this, this morning. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our, whole, our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Let's cleanse ourselves. So there are certain things in your life, and beloved, it doesn't go away because you've been in church for a long time. It doesn't. You have to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. Say to your neighbor, keep at it. Yeah. So that's another way in which you, 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 you grow in fellowship with him is you commit to personal purity and holiness. And then the other thing is, you are careful not to grieve him or not to make him sad. The scripture tells us that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 verse 30 tells us that do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So by the way we live, we can make the Holy Spirit sad. And you know, you have to be honest with yourself and just recognize when you're making him sad. The other day, I was talking to Aish, and we we're just talking about something, and I was given an example of something. And in giving the example, I said a, a kind of a bit of a profane word. I kind of said, it not, it's not a bit of a profane, it was a profane word. I said a profane word to illustrate the point. And after I said it, we kind of laughed, and I said, oops, and stuff. But then when I went to talk to the Lord about something else in prayer, just, you know, talking to my best friend, the Spirit of God was not impressed with that joke or that analogy I made. And I felt very bad about it. So I had to go back to her and say, actually, that wasn't a good thing I said. Now, why I'm using that example is that many times you will have the same thing where you will do something in innocence and then later when you come before the Lord, it comes to you that what you said or what you did wasn't good. But you know what a lot of us do? We say, oh, we might not even say I'm sorry about it. We'll just push it aside, maybe even rebuke the devil for reminding you of something that you did bad. And so the thing remains. The thing that you're supposed to address remains, and it affects your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Another thing that will help you to grow in fellowship is you make time to spend in his presence through prayer, worship, and the word. We've already said these things. But often, we, we talk about prayer, fellowship, and the word as the first point of call. But actually, it's not the first point of call. Because if my heart is wrong, 
If my heart is wrong before him, I can pray, but I'll be just like a heathen praying. I can read the scriptures, but it will just be information to me. But if my heart is right, even if I don't know a lot of scriptures, because my heart is right before him, he's glad to interact with me. So learn to spend time in his presence when you, and when you're doing that, he will bring things to your mind that he wants you to address. Beloved, he's not going to ask anything of you you can't do. The Holy Spirit will not ask you to do anything you can't do. He's not going to ask you to fast 40 days and 40 nights unless you can do it. Some of you can do it. Some of us should do it. And as you spend time in prayer and in worship and in his word, you will learn to be sensitive to his leading and so that you don't quench him. And quenching him means put him out, stop him from doing something. I mean, it's, to me it's incredible that the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, can be limited by human beings. The scripture tells us do not quench the spirit. Do not put out the spirit's fire. You can do that. If you, by, by how, by the choices you make. And then another way in which we learn to fellowship with him that allows us to stay connected and filled is by feeding on the word of God. By feeding on the word of God. Now, this is different from your normal devotion when you're reading the scriptures or whatever daily bread or what's the thing these days? These days there's all kinds of amazing things that people use. Rhapsody of Rhapsodios. I don't know. Something. What is it that you do these days? You're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Or, or, maybe, or maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. What's that? Word for today. What's the other one? New, what's that? You version. Wow. You version. What does that do? It does what? A Bible application. I think I've got it. And that helps your journey, yes? It helps you to... So do they give you like a verse and people's opinions to help you with the verse, like my opinions today? It's great. It's all good. It's all good. That's good. I found those things pretty useless when I was growing up in the Lord. I would try to follow these daily bread stuff, and in my day was daily bread. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about literal food. It was daily. It's Bible. And I would try and read it, and I'll fall asleep every time. I would try and they'll, they'll have these prayer points and I would try and do it and I'd just always be bored. But I found when I just talk to God from my heart, just talk, just talk from my heart. God, Lord, I don't like this person. Can't stand them. Yeah, I know it's wrong. Yeah, I know if I carry it, I'll go to hell. So please forgive me, help me out. So that, that kind of reality really helps me anyway. But also, some of you who are more spiritual, you, you can use daily bread. Amen. But look at Ezekiel 2.2. He says, then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me. The Spirit entered me when he spoke to me. And I find at times, looking at reading the scriptures or hearing the scriptures, I start to feel strengthened. Literally. So at times if I'm praying, I'm talking to God, it ain't flowing. I'm speaking in tongues, it ain't flowing. I, I just will start reading the Bible. I read Bible passages. And I find just reading the scriptures, I start to feel his manifest presence. I start to feel stronger. It's like my spirit is being fed by the word. Beloved, the word is powerful. The word is powerful. And then another way in which you stay connected with him and, and, and uh, fill your spirit is by praying with 
the spirit and with the understanding. We'll talk more about that. Another way in which we do it is by cultivating an atmosphere of praise and thanksgiving and adoration, which we commonly refer to as worship. Praise, thanksgiving, adoration. Praise is where you are just telling God what you think about him. You're telling him what you like about what he does and so forth. Thanksgiving is where you are letting God know that you appreciate the things he does for you and you appreciate who he is and so forth. And adoration is where you allow God to know or you express the fact that you are so amazed by who he is, you're amazed by what he does and by what he's like. He's literally, he really bamboozles you and you think he's amazing and stuff like that. So you just want him to know that you really like him or you adore him, as the English may say. So these are things that you, you learn to do. Now, I'll be honest with you, in my younger days, I didn't know much about adoring God. To be frank with you, in my younger days, I couldn't care less about adoring God or even giving him thanks. I didn't see why I needed to even give him thanks for anything. I've become a Christian. It's all pretty much restrictive. There's just too many things I cannot do that I used to do without problem, and I have to thank him for that as well. I'm not really sure about that. That's where I was at. I used to complain a lot. I used to complain a lot to God and anybody else who would listen about how awful the Christian experience really was. Are you still here? Now, some of us complain and then lie about it. So I used to tell him, you know, this is not nice. I, don't, I told him, I don't like your Bible. I find the Bible boring. It's really, this is just, prayer was rubbish. And then in my church, they'll tell us, try and pray one hour a day. So how, the, how, how, the, how, can anyone, how can anyone pray for one hour? One hour. How many of you pray for one hour a day? Let me see. Oh, what kind of church is this? Oh, oh Lord. After all our teaching on prayer. Okay, there you go. But as you grow in your understanding, when God will do something, I said, wow, that's amazing. God, thank you. That's praise. That's thanksgiving. When, when something will happen that I, I was amazed by, I'll say, oh, wow, that's brilliant. That is you showing your appreciation uh, and so forth. So what I'm trying to say is words like adoring and thanksgiving may seem a bit remote, but contextualize it to your, to your situation. And as you do it, you will find it will allow you to connect more with the Holy Spirit. And then another thing that helps you in terms of growing in fellowship with him is asking him questions. We've already say, said this and then obeying his directives. All right, fine. Now, I want us to move into the meat of what I want to share. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, you will find that there were different types of people that were filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, those of you who've done Alpha, you would have known we've gone through this review before. So there are five categories of people in the book of Acts who were initially filled with the Spirit. And then most of the times, something was said about what happened. Uh, there were those who were longing for the Spirit. There were those who were receptive to the Spirit. There were those who were hostile to the Spirit. There were those who were like unlikely or unqualified candidates for the Spirit. And there were those who had no knowledge or were uninformed about the Spirit. But each of these different ones had a supernatural encounter 
with the Holy Spirit. So you might be here today and you might be really longing for more of the Holy Spirit. You're a candidate. Maybe you were filled once, but that was a long time ago. And for you now, it's like a distant memory. Beloved, you are here and the Spirit of God is here and he wants to refill you again. Or you might be here and you might be even hostile to all this spirit business. It's all right. You're not alone. One of the greatest apostles ever was really hostile before he had a serious encounter with the Lord. And then you might be here and you might feel like you don't qualify. You know what? There are things in my life, the way my life is right now, I don't qualify. You qualify. And you might be here and you say, I don't really get the whole thing. It's all confusing. You qualify. So the first one, let's look at it. Those who were longing for the Holy Spirit after they entered the relationship with Christ. This after they came into a relationship with Christ. They were longing for the Holy Spirit. And I remember in my life, there was a time when I began to long for the things of the Spirit. I began to want more of the things of the Spirit. And thank God, the Scripture says that if we open wide our mouths, He will fill it. In Acts chapter 2, verses 2, verses 1 to 4, we have an example of believers who, after their relationship with Jesus, are longing for the Spirit and are waiting on Jesus to fill them. And he says this in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, or they were united together. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now imagine the scene. These are believers, 120 of them. They're in a room like this, maybe a bit smaller, a bit cramped. And they're all kind of praying and waiting on God. They don't know what to expect. And then suddenly they hear this wind kind of blowing. And it begins to blow and it enters the the house where they're in the room they're in. It fills the room and then they all see this thing together where the tongues of fire begins to land on each one. I mean, that is phenomenal. And as it's happening, they feel this energy inside of them and they begin to just start speaking in this language that they don't even know what's happening. They're speaking and speaking and speaking. It's amazing. It's powerful. And that's what at times will happen to you and I if we are looking for God to, to encounter him. God has a way of meeting with you suddenly. I'll never forget this experience that happened to me as a young Christian. One day I was in my room. I was so down. I had done the thing that young men normally do and feel guilty about afterwards. I was feeling so bad about myself. And now you're wondering what it is. Just pray about it. God will give you revelation. I was kneeling there and I was saying, oh, Lord. Saying something, it's a moaner, moaning as usual. Oh God, why? No, why help me? Oh God! And I turn my eyes, and as I turn my eyes, I see this man standing behind me, full of beauty and full of love and peace. And I'm like, what? So I went, what? And then that was it. I didn't feel scared. I just knew who that guy was. It wasn't Jesus. It was the guys that look after me, one of them. 
And that stuck with me. Sometimes God has a way of meeting with you. And that really just did something to me. And the guy was looking at me with such affection and such love and such peace. And that assured me that everything will be all right. I probably carried on moaning as well afterwards. But still, I was feeling a lot better. The point is, God has his sudden ways in which he can encounter you. So, if you're longing for more of him, keep seeking him. He said, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Beloved, learn to be wholehearted. Don't look at somebody else, how they're doing it. Learn to be wholehearted. Secondly, those who are receptive to receiving the Holy Spirit. These were believers who had given their life to Christ. They'd seen the power of God move. They'd been baptized in water. They were ready to receive more from God. And then... They have this experience. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 to 18. It says, Now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon none, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them. The apostles, Peter and John, laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, clearly, something incredible happened when Peter and John laid their hands on these um, believers. Because this guy, Simon, he was a sorcerer, and he was used to the spectacular and the supernatural. And he had seen Philip do miracles and healings in his ministry, and so much so that he himself had given his life to Jesus. In fact, he was a prominent guy in the town of Samaria, but he'd given his life to Jesus, and he had been baptized. And so when he now sees what happens when these guys lay hands on people, it's like, what? I want some of that. Can I buy it? Can I sow a seed? That might be the common language today. Can I sow a seed to get this anointing? That's, today, that's what some people may say. You're not buying it. You're sowing a seed. They're lying. They want your money. Let's just move on quickly. Just say, I want your money. Don't make up stories. The point I want to make, the point I want to make is, is this. You can receive Christ. You can see the power of God. You can experience amazing things, but not have received the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And these believers, because they were receptive, when it happened, it was powerful. I have seen people receive the Holy Spirit in a similar way. Um, well, I don't know whether it's similar to what those guys did. But where, because they were hungry for it, they were receptive. People didn't even have to lay hands. Sometimes you lay hands and they receive. Sometimes you don't even have to lay hands and they receive. The third category of people is those who are hostile to the Holy Spirit before coming to relationship with Christ. And Paul the Apostle was one of these. His name was Saul. He was completely hostile to the faith. And then he has an encounter with God. And then Jesus sends one of the disciples called Ananias to minister to him. In Acts chapter 9 verse 17, 
The scripture says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he, when he prayed for him, he clearly was filled with the Spirit because later on, Paul says something in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. He says, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. And he also clearly, there's another time when Paul, being filled with the Spirit, spoke to Elymas and told him, you're going to be blind. So he had a supernatural encounter when that happened, and he was filled with the Spirit. Another category are those that we call the unlikely ones. And you may feel you're an unlikely one. These are people who don't appear to qualify. Maybe they've got sin in their life. Maybe they're they are not living the way they're supposed to. Maybe they have not ticked all the boxes, so to speak. But they are open to receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 46, we have the first non-Jews who experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 44, whilst Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how they knew. That's how they knew that they had been filled. They heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. So as Peter was talking, it wasn't that they saw some cloud come over them. As he was talking, these people just couldn't help it. They began to just start to speak in tongues and magnify God. And as that phenomenon is happening, Peter says, wow. As it happens and it happens, we don't know how long it happened for, when it dies down, he says, listen, these guys, even though they don't even qualify to us, They've had the same experience we've had. Let's baptize them. So, I wonder which one you fall, which category of persons you fall under. Now, what happened when they received the Holy Spirit? What happened to people whenever they received the Holy Spirit? I remember what happened to me, but I'm not going to touch on that. So, I'm going to give you a few things that happens. Because many times, when people experience the Holy Spirit, um, because they don't know what the Bible says about it, they can be very dismissive. They will be doubting. They will be thinking maybe it's just uh, by the power of suggestion and so forth. All right. Now, at times, people, when the Holy Spirit comes over people, it can be very dramatic, very dramatic, like Day of Pentecost. But at other times, it can be very gentle, so gentle that you may think nothing really has happened. You know, I find a similar thing occurs sometimes when I do deliverance ministry with people. Sometimes when I do deliverance ministry with people, many times when I do deliverance ministry, people want, they expect that they're going to rise on the floor and cough and start talking with a strange voice like a devil. And nothing actually happens to them. Nothing actually happens. So we just pray, we address things as the Spirit leads. But then afterwards they notice a dramatic change. Sometimes the only thing they will notice is that they feel quite lightheaded. But afterwards, they will notice a dramatic change. Now, other times I've done deliverance ministry on people and you've had the works. My name is Nebo. I've had that happen before. 
And it's like, whoa, this is incredible. This is like a movie. This is me in my, my head. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And after we've done all that, and all that has happened, they don't even serve the Lord. So don't look at manifestations. Yeah, I'm just saying, don't look at manifestations. Look at the end result. Amen? So in the next 10 minutes, as I bring this to a conclusion, add 10 more minutes to, 10 more minutes to whatever minutes you gave me. I'm just going to say a few things, right? The first thing that people experience, and when I say the first thing, it's not necessarily the first in order, but these are the things I want to highlight in the Bible, is that when they receive the Holy Spirit, they experience the love of God. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will experience the love of God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the Bible says that now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So when we receive him, he will pour his love in our hearts. And so what you will find is, if you allow him to, those people that you were once hostile towards, you will no longer want to be hostile towards them. Even the situation that you should be angry about, you will suddenly have a perspective of God's mindset. And that's why being connected with him is so important. Because the more you allow him to influence you, the less the power of the enemy, the less power the enemy can have over you. And certainly, the, the way you drive out fear is through receiving more of the love of God. So in Acts chapter 44, you find that, sorry, Acts chapter 10 verse 44, you find that when the Spirit was poured upon Cornelius' house, they heard them speaking in tongues and they heard them magnifying God. They were magnifying God because they had a love for God that entered their hearts. So they were now expressing that love in their hearts. When he comes, the Spirit of God assures us of our salvation. He, he lets us know that we are actually a child of God. He convinces us that we belong to Jesus. So you don't have to guess. He gives us assurance of the age to come. So you're not afraid of death. You might not like the process of death, but you're not afraid of death. I've seen many believers die. And when believers are dying, they are looking forward to it. Often I can tell when they're about to die because of the things they'll say. They start hearing um, the other side. They start hearing the music. They start hearing the angels. They start seeing angels. They start seeing Jesus. Some of them will have visitations of the Lord. But the Spirit of God, he's the one that allows us to be able to experience all these things. So we are filled with the love of God. The second thing that happens is we are able to express that love. We are able to express the love of God and express our emotions when the Spirit of God enters us. Now, being emotional doesn't make you holy, all right? But just like all relationships involve emotions, our relationship with God also involves emotions. And the highest emotion is love. And so when we receive the Holy Spirit... One of the things that will begin to happen is that we'll be able to express our emotions. We'll be able to express our love for God and our love for people. But not only love, we'll be able to express joy. We'll be able to experience peace. We'll be able to express other emotions, other godly emotions that before we couldn't express. I remember one of the things that happened to me in the early days, I will, express this inexpre I will experience this inexpressible joy. 
And it was like, I would be so full of it, all I could do was, ah, ah, ah. That's all I could do. It was amazing. And I realized later that the Bible calls it joy unspeakable and full of glory. May you receive more in Jesus' name. Ah, this, this faith is wonderful, I tell you. Now, it is important that we learn to be able to express how we feel towards God both privately and publicly. Now, in private, we are free to express our hearts to him in any way we want. So at times, when I'm alone with God, I really can dance. And then when I'm in front of people, I t- I'm not really a good dancer naturally. But in the spirit, I'm very good. But naturally, I'm not. So when I'm, when I'm alone with God, I can really do some amazing moves. But when I'm, when I'm with people, if I did that, you will all be distracted. So I have to learn to do my dancing, tame, band dancing thing, you know. The point I'm making is there's a difference between how you may express your emotions with God privately and how you do it publicly. So publicly, we should express ourselves as revealed in Scripture. And how does the Bible show us? The Bible shows us we express ourselves through singing, through dancing, through clapping, through shouting, through being happy, being joyful, even through weeping, being still and silent, raising our hands and praising God. These are ways in which we express ourselves to God. Now, the scriptures I could give, we don't have time. But in private, I can add other things. Rolling on the floor. Rolling on the floor. I, I've done that. I've rolled on the floor. Now, there are times the Spirit of God will hit you in public and you can't help, you just roll. In private, sometimes I like to run. Now, again, at times in public where it can hit you and you can't help, you just have to start running. Uh, in private, I can be really, really outrageous. I, can, I remember once I was in, in private, I was praying, 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 and then I began to box, 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 and I went to box, 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 to really box, 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 box. But if I was in public, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that because if I did that, you would think, what has happened to the man? What is going on? So I wouldn't do that. Now, after that thing, when I did all that boxing, boxing, rah, 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 when I went out to minister to people, I found this demon that I had to cast out. And, but it was because of what I did in private. I prepared myself. I didn't even know it. it was, you know, I'd, I'd never experienced that. And then I had this amazing experience. So sometimes when you're with the Spirit, you're doing stuff in private, He will allow you to do things which may seem weird, but it's all right. Now, at times in church, you've had people, they decide to give birth in church. Uh, no, no, that is private. Who gives birth in public? Nobody, nobody says, it's time we're going to give birth and comes in front of the church and says, let's give birth. No, no, it's private. So in the same way, spiritual things, some things, they are private. Are, are you still here? I know I've gone a bit of a tangent, but I, I, want to, I want to show you the difference between private, how we do things, and public. Amen. So anyway, they're able to express their emotions. And then the other thing they're able to do is they received a new love language, or they received a new language. Now, this is very important because in the book of Acts, 
Anytime the Bible describes people receiving the Holy Spirit, when the scriptures describe it, they will do something and speak in tongues. They will do something and speak in tongues, or they will speak in tongues. Whenever it's described, they will always mention they spoke with tongues. Why? You see, the word tongues relates to a language that the speaker has not learned. Literally, it means languages. But in the context that is being used, it refers to a language that the person speaking has not learned. It may be a human language or it may be a heavenly language. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 tells us, Though I speak with the languages or tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am but sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. It is a language that the speaker, whilst they are speaking, will not understand it unless they interpret. Unless they are able, sorry, to interpret. And the Bible tells us we are to pray for the ability to interpret. So if we are to pray for the ability to interpret, if it was a language the speaker understood, they would not need to pray for it to be interpreted. Do you understand? And, and, and for, let me read it to you in the first Corinthians chapter 14, from verse 13 onwards. And I'm reading it in the New Living Translation. If you can find it in the New Living Translation, it will help us. It reads like this. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? So the point that you need to understand is that this new language that God gives us, according to the Bible, the speaker does not understand what they're saying. And it's not even meant for others to understand unless they are able to interpret it. It's a very important point because I know there's some different schools of thoughts about all of this and we want to be always gracious to those who have a different opinion to us. But the point is, is that this is what the scriptures say that we can see clearly here. Now, not all Christians speak in tongues. Not all Christians speak in tongues. However, according to the Bible, every believer has the potential to speak in new tongues. Mark chapter 16 verse 17 says, these signs, our Lord Jesus speaking, says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. So potentially every believer can cast out demons and can speak with new tongues. Um, also another thing is that speaking in tongues is not an exclusive sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. There are many, many great saints throughout the ages who never spoke in other tongues. However, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, it was an initial sign, even though it wasn't the only sign of people being filled. When you look at it scripturally, you'll find that in the New Testament, it's often like the beginner's gift that helps us to be, receive, to be able to receive other gifts as well. And in my opinion, it is the easiest of gifts because 
it involves our willingness to surrender our hearts and our words to the Holy Spirit's influence. In my opinion, it's the easiest of gifts to receive. Some of the other gifts, in a way, you exercise faith and you trust God for the result. But with this one, you cooperate with the Holy Spirit with your will and with your words. So being able to speak in tongues, whilst it doesn't make you superior to other believers, it helps you in your faith. It helps you to grow stronger in your spirit. It helps you in prayer. It is a language that gives you an, uh, 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 the potential to develop spiritually. Over the years, I've been speaking in tongues since 84, since 1984. And uh, in 1986, it's when it really went on a different level for me. From 86 onwards, something, were you even born? Some of you, the way you look at me. Something really happened. And from 86 onwards till today, it's, a, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. But the point I'm making is this. It will help you. It helps you to pray. It's easy prayer. Because, and it's perfect prayer. It builds you up in your spirit, man, in your emotions, even in your mind. I find myself, whenever I'm writing and doing work, sometimes because of this infilling and disability to pray in tongues, if I, if I hit a, a, a mental block or a writer's block, I just park the thing, talk to Jesus, pray in tongues, pray in tongues, then go back and fresh flow. It's wonderful. Amazing. All kinds of things. And it transcends the language barrier. And it helps you cope with pressurizing and stressful situations. Many times, if I'm dealing with stressful situations, I just resort to this. So I'm like talking to you, and I'm talking in tongues. You won't know. I won't go. I'll just be in my As I'm talking to you, as I'm talking like this, as I'm talking like this, and I'm, I'm praying in tongues as well. It's amazing. It's powerful. Wow. There's so many other amazing things. So, I want to conclude quickly. How do we receive this ability? By asking for it. By asking the Holy Spirit to fill us. It's as simple as that. So you simply start praising God and thanking Him. When you, after you ask Him, you say, you ask by faith, Father God, I ask you to fill me afresh with your spirit, or I ask you to fill me with your spirit for the first time. And after you ask him, don't beg him. Don't say, oh, please, God, please, please. No, that's not nice. He doesn't like that. Just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you've given it to me. I receive it by faith. Thank you. You start praising him. Start praising him and start thanking him in your, the language that you normally speak. Just start, start thanking him naturally and blessing him. And get lost in yourself and God doing that. And as you do this, you may feel an urge to speak words that appear unintelligible to you. What happened to me the first time I ever had the baptism of the Spirit, I was not in church. I was actually jogging home from church. And I was talking to the Lord, and I was asking him about this speaking in tongues business because I thought it was a bit weird. And I asked him, you've heard my testimony. If it's for me, give it to me. I had this strong thought go through my head. Do you believe? 
I said, I believe. I had to go through my head again, do you believe? I said, I believe. I didn't know the Bible said these signs will follow those who believe. I asked, he asked a third time, do you believe, Joseph? And I'm jogging and asked, I said, I believe, I believe. And on the third, I believe, I spurt out what to me was gibberish. And as I say this, I feel like something leave me. I feel like something enter me. And I feel very woozy. And I feel, whoa. And I said literally, whoa. I remember where it was, Tessaly Road. Tessaly Road in Battersea. I said, whoa, Joseph, now you are going mad. That's exactly my words. I tried to jog. I couldn't. I felt lightheaded. And I thought, whoa, nah, man. This is exactly what, nah, man. I just said, this one we keep to ourselves. We don't turn it on this one. And then I found after that experience, every time I went to pray, I'd get this urge to start speaking gibberish. That's how I found it. And I'll speak the gibberish, whatever. And I'm like, this is, just, this is just too easy. And this is just me. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. But I kept doing it in secret. So I, wouldn't tell, I didn't tell anybody. I just did it. It felt really nice. And then one day in church, they would say, if you need a Holy Spirit baptism, come to the front. And so I, I went. Because I remember when somebody asked me, have you received? I said, yes. And they said, have you? I said, well, actually, I'm not sure if I have. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's what you know. So I thought, no, nah, I don't want no testing. So I went to the front. And then they were praying for me. In those days, they, we had what they call waiting, waiting. How many of you know about waiting? You don't, do you? Gee, this generation, you're amazing. I'm even about waiting on the Holy Spirit. And they're helping you wait. Say hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. Say thank you. Come on, say hallelujah quicker. Hallelujah. Say faster. Hallelujah. Say, come on faster. Hallelujah. 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 That's it. You've got it. That's how, that's how they used to do it. That's how they used to do it. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say thank you, Jesus. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. See, you've got hallelujah. Skip the <laughs> but <laughs> now that's not how you do it really that's not how you do it anyway so as you as you start praying you feel this and just speak those words freely initially if, if you if you are really just focused on God it won't matter to you but at times we become very self-conscious so as soon as uh, what is happening no I'm in control Jesus I love you Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hey, no. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I bless you. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I this is a bit weird. No, let's stop now. So, so that's what people do. You see, I am convinced that most Christians, when they ask Jesus to fill them, there and then he fills them. But it's how they respond. It's how they respond. It's rare, there are times when he doesn't feel them because there's some issue that he wants to address. But most of the times, and look, Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So it may appear like you've got one or two words at first, but just keep speaking. Because like with any language, as you speak, it develops. And then focus on Jesus. He's a giver and not on the gift. Amen. Amen. So I encourage you to be being filled. And then I encourage you, if you want to be filled for the first time, open yourself and be filled. I want us to just worship the Lord a little bit. So I want us to pray for those of us who want to be filled for the first time. 
and those of us who want to be refilled. So worship team, if you can join us, we're going to just spend a few minutes and worship the Lord. I know we have some announcements, I don't really care, um, and all of that. We're just going to do this. If you need to leave at one o'clock, just go. Um, God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. So we're going we're gonna to just do this right now. Um, I want you to stand. First of all, wait. Don't stand here. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, I want, to, I want those of us who want to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, for the first time to come to the front. You want to be filled for the first time to come to the front. Maybe you've come before, um, but and it hasn't happened, so I want you to come to the front. And then secondly, um, I want those of us who need a refilling, a refilling to also come. So those who want to be filled for the first time, come and stand on my left, your right. Those who need a refilling, come and stand on my right. All right, let's stand. And then the rest of us, we're just going to worship the Lord together. So those of you who know how to do it, I'm going to give you some instructions. It's okay. Those of you who want to be refilled, come to my right. Those who want to be refilled for the first time, come to my left. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I want the ministers to come and help me right now. The ministerial team. Those of you standing here, Remember, God is a good God. Those of you that are standing here, remember, Jesus loves you. And it's very, very simple. It's very, very simple. You get your eyes off yourself. You get your eyes on Jesus. I want you to lift your hands to Jesus and close your eyes. And I want you to begin to thank Him. Ask Him to fill you with His Spirit. And then thank him for a fresh filling. If the ministers can come and stand next to me here, so that we know who you are, quickly come and stand here. If you're a minister and you're not coming for a refilling, come and stand here. The rest of you in the church, I want you to lift your hands and begin to worship God. Lift your hands and begin to worship God. Begin to praise Him, praise Him in the spirit, praise Him in the understanding. Begin to worship Him. begin to reach out, reach out. Just begin to reach out, just reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out. Your heavenly father loves you. He loves you. Church, those of you there, I want you to begin to just praise God in the spirit. Begin to sing out in the spirit. 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 Come on, let's begin to sing out in the spirit. Holy Spirit, will you touch right now? Begin to touch your people right now. Begin to touch your people right now. Begin to touch your people right now. Just lift your hands to him. Open your heart to him. The reason why we ask you to lift your hands, because lifting our hands is a sign of surrender. We're saying to God everything that we have, we are giving to you. And we're saying to him everything that you have for us, are receiving it. That's why we ask you to raise your hands. It's a sign of surrender.
Spirit breaker. Spirit breaker. Sing it out to him and worship him. Break our walls down. Spirit Begin to minister with them. Begin to minister with them. Begin to minister with them. 